Well, good morning, Leslie Avenue. Good morning. It's good to see everyone. Come on in. We've got plenty of room. Glad to have everybody here this morning. Uh, I did count from missing almost 10 people today for various things, some from illness and some from out. So that just means the rest of you better be hungry. <laughs> better be hungry. But uh, I do appreciate Jay and his wife Sarah being out here today. I've known them for more years than I will admit publicly because it can't be that many because I know Sarah sitting here, so it can't be that many. But uh, we used to sing together in, in the chorus, and so uh, it's great to hear your voice again, brother. Uh, appreciate him singing for us. This morning, uh, this is our Thanksgiving, if you will, uh, a meal that we're going to have after services. If you're visiting, please stay. There's more food than any of us can count. But we're also, I want to have a, a, a little lesson here on giving thanks. It's titled, Gratitude Changes Everything. And as we get started with it, I have a request. And that is for Heather Grace, Emma, and Max. Come on down for just a minute. You'll go right back to sit, but I want you to come up for just a minute. It will seem like, what, when I do this, but there's a reason. There's a reason for everything. All right. I want you to come up. I've got something for you. Just take that and keep it. You go back to your seat. You'll know when this comes up in just a minute. All right? What, what they were given was an orange. That was one of those orange things. Uh, I don't think there's, is there another fruit that's known by its color? That's not the lesson this morning. Gratitude, it's already disappeared. Gratitude changes everything. I want to start off with two stories. The first story, two men were walking in a field. It's a great big field. And they've been walking and walking, and it's a large field. And they got about to the middle of it when they noticed and looked over to the side, there was a bull. And just when they saw the bull, the bull saw them. And so they had this eye contact for just a minute, and bulls will do what a bull's going to do. The bull starts charging at it. And so the two men immediately try to run as hard and as fast as they can back the way they came to get back over the fence. And so they're running. They're running. The bull's coming. The bull's coming. One of the men says to the other, says, George, George, I don't think we're going to make it. He goes, I think you're right. I think you're right. He says, well, look, you went to church more than I did. I, I think as we're running, it's, you ought to say a prayer because we need a prayer for this. He goes, I didn't go to church that much. In fact, the only prayer I can remember is the one my father used to do before dinner. He says, well, say it, say it anyway. And so we said, all right, Father, for what we are about to receive, may we be truly grateful. <laughs> sometimes prayer is important, but sometimes it's not exactly what you want. So I don't know that I would be grateful for what was about to happen as they're trying to get out of that field, right? The other story I want to talk about, and this is what I got for you here, right? There's a old general store, there's a man standing by the door, and a grandma and a little child comes in, and they come into the store. The man looks down at the child and says, well, you look like you're having a great day. He says, I tell you what, here, have this orange. So there you go, hold up your orange. The three, hold up your orange. So there you go. Right? It says, here, have an orange. And the boy takes it, kind of looks at it for a bit. And the grandmother does what the grandmothers will do, kind of elbows the boy and says, what do you say? Right? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that. Right? 
What do you say? So the boy looks at it again and holds it back out to the man and says, Peel it. <laughs> That's not what the grandmother intended. That young boy is not showing much of any gratitude for that free orange, right? Well, I really think that if there's a sin, one sin that really is spread so widely throughout our society today, it's ingratitude. You give somebody something to say, well, this isn't the color I like. Or you give someone something and say, well, that won't quite pay off that debt. You give someone something and they want more, more, more. Instead of, how about, thank you. Really and truly, I'm not simply expressing thanks. Ingratitude is a sin that really does tend to great. Right? How do you think the man felt after giving the orange? And the only response he got was, you know, peel it. What a response. Let's look at our passage today and be thinking about gratitude and ingratitude. And think about the orange. Think about the orange. So here we go. As was read earlier from Luke 17, 11 through 12, on the way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus here, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he, Jesus, entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Well, these lepers, these ten men, were in an awful position. An awful position. They had pain and suffering. Leprosy then is almost certainly not leprosy today. The, there's a disease called leprosy today. It does not show the characteristics and the problems that leprosy in the New Testament days showed. Hansen's disease is what leprosy today is often referred to as. It's not quite the same. What we know from the first century is there was often disfigurement and there was a considerable infectious nature about it. Very hard to catch leprosy today, what we call leprosy. Okay, but not so in the first century. So there was pain and suffering. Some of that was emotional pain because there was a lot of isolation from others. They were supposed to keep their distance. I would be too close to you sitting right here in the front two rows if I had leprosy according to what the law of Moses said. And when they saw someone, they would cover their upper, upper lip, kind of the first ever masks people had to wear. The mask was their elbow. Cover their upper lip and shout, unclean! And people were to keep their distance. People were terrified of lepers because Medicine back then was not something to be proud of. Well, this isolation was also religiously enforced. These individuals had to leave family. They had to leave wife. They had to leave children, mom and dad, friends. They had to leave their village. And one of the reasons you have 10 of these individuals together is birds of a feather will often flock together, right? So these 10 individuals are isolated. They're not going to catch leprosy from each other. And so whatever their past had been, whatever their circumstances in life had been in the past, they found comfort from the presence of each other. He's in between Samaria and Galilee. I've often wondered, are all of these ten individual Samaritans? Maybe one of them is. Maybe half, I don't know. But the distinction that had existed in the first century between Jew and Samaritan, which was intense, doesn't mean a lot when you're in this kind of common circumstance of leper. Well, as an aside right here, there's a strong lesson for us to learn right there. Because whatever distinctions we see in society, whatever divisions, whether it is based on economic status, 
whether it's based on how we look, whether it's based on any sort of dividing characteristic, shouldn't mean anything, anything, once we are in fact called out to be separate and different. Compared to the rest of the world, don't take this the wrong way, but Christians are in effect lepers because we should be so different from everyone around us. And our petty divisions that we might think about should mean nothing. These lepers were in an awful position, but they were also in an approachable position because Jesus was there. They saw Jesus and saw the opportunity to cry out. So look at what they said. Ten lepers lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. I want you to notice two things. First, the observation in this prayer that all of them had, their observation. They saw, they understood, and sensed their need. You don't pray and call out for help unless you know you need some help. If I see that I'm bleeding and I'm like, whoa, I will be crying out for help. If I don't notice that I'm bleeding, I'm in trouble because I won't call out for help. That was one of the problems lepers had, right? They didn't know what they needed some things. But in this case, they knew they had lepers here to cry out, hey, we need help over here. They weren't crying wolf. Right? They weren't crying out for help when they really didn't need it. They needed help about as much as anyone needed help. I'm really convinced one of the reasons that sinners, people who are not members of God's family, that they don't come to Jesus for salvation is they just don't understand their situation. They really don't understand their need. They really don't understand their circumstance. But much like the lepers, sinners need help, myself included. But for those who have never come to God, their need is intense. They just don't recognize it. They don't sense it. But these lepers knew they needed help, and there was none to be found except maybe, maybe in this one called Jesus. Doctors couldn't help them at the time. Nothing could help them at the time. The priest could not cure them. The priest could only notice if they were, in fact, somehow cured. The only hope they really have is to cry out to Jesus. Why not? They don't have any other real hope at all. So they cried out for mercy. Look at the next part of their prayer, the next common thing, the second thing here, their obedience. Prayer, crying out for help, prayer is really useless without obedience. Jesus tells them to go to the priest. Ah, that's a long trip. Forget it. You think they would have been healed if they hadn't gone to the priest? Jesus tells us to do something. It's a good idea to do it. Good idea to do it. Prayer without obedience doesn't help anyone or anything. As I say, the priest could pronounce them cured, but couldn't do anything to cure them. And notice that they were not healed immediately. Do you think Jesus could have just waved his hands and the leprosy would have been gone? Of course he could. Of course he could. But he told them, go to show yourselves to the priest. And what the text says is, as they went, as they went, that's when they were cured. As they obeyed the command of the Lord, they were cured. Could God in heaven simply have waved his hand, so to speak, and wiped the sins of all of creation away? Absolutely. God could do that. But what God has told us is 
need to believe in Jesus, you need to change your life, and you need to die in your old way of living by being buried in water so God can forgive your sins. As they went, they were healed. There's a lesson for how we respond to the call of God in what these ten lepers did here as well. So not only did all pray to Jesus, but Jesus healed all of them physically. Now, look at the gratitude of one of the ten. Continue on in Luke 17. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, you imagine it's like, oh, look at that, I'm healed. I imagine it was a, oof. Imagine your excitement, your amazement, when something that has been so devastating to you is starting to change. He is he's almost incomprehensibly got to be happy at this. When one of them saw he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. It's not, thank you, I'm healed. <laughs> he is, I'm sure he's shouting, he's screaming, he's praising God, he's healed. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And look at the little statement right next to it. Now, he was a Samaritan. The one who would have been the outcast before leprosy hit him is the only one who comes back. Now, if all ten of them are Samaritans, that loses its importance right here. If all ten of these lepers had been Samaritans, then of course, any of them would have come back, would have been a Samaritan. If they all were Samaritans, then why say this, right? The implication here strongly is that out of the ten, some had to have been Jewish. They don't come back and thank Jesus. It's the Samaritan. The Samaritan that the Jewish people would have wanted to have nothing to do with. He's the one that comes back and says, thank you, thank you, thank you. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Didn't I cleanse ten lepers? Where are the nine? If there's one statement in all of Scripture that I'm so afraid is the way God looks at the world, it's really this one. Where are the nine? I sent my son to die for everybody. I'm so happy that you, maybe speaking to us, that you came and you came to me. You came and changed your life. Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, to the Samaritan, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus' power cleansed him, but the power only applied to cleanse the leper when the leper had faith, when the leper did something based on what he was told. It wasn't the action of walking to go find the priest that cured him. Anybody could walk to the priest. It's acting because of what Jesus said to do and doing it. The gratitude of one. But here's the key. All were in the same awful position. All prayed and all were healed. Don't forget that. Just because one, the focus is on the one, all ten of them were healed anyway. Right? Jesus didn't suddenly wave his hand and, and give leprosy back to the nine. All ten were healed. Yet only one of the ten returned to thanksgiving. They all had reason to praise God. But only one saw it. Only one saw the reason to praise God. I hope that doesn't describe any of us. I hope it doesn't describe me. We sing a song. It's not one we're singing today, but count your blessings. How about make sure we notice the blessing 
And when, whenever that blessing is, no matter how hard life may seem, this week we're thinking about Thanksgiving, giving thanks, give thanks to God all the time. I don't want a God to ever, I don't want Jesus to ever look at me and say, where were you? Like, are you? You were one of the nine. I don't want that. Where are the other nine? I had no doubt they were very, very declared clean by the priest as they ran to their family and friends. If they'd been away from their family and friends, I can go see my wife again. I can see my kids. I wonder how tall little, little Johnny is. <laughs> I mean, we're not talking about sleeping in another room. We're talking about isolation. So excited. They're cleansed. They take off to the priest because they've got people they want to go see. I'm sure those nine thought that way. Except one, this other individual, this Samaritan, if he were married, I'm sure he loved his wife. I'm sure he loved his kids. He wanted to hug and kiss them every bit as much as the nine. But one had his priorities in order. One did not get so wrapped up in the immediate aftermath of the blessings that he forgot the one who blessed him. Surely, with a voice as loud as he cried for mercy, he cried out with praise to the Messiah. He got more than the others did. Did you notice that? All ten of them were healed. He got more than the others did. They received physical healing from a distance because the healing occurred as they went away from Jesus. They got that healing from a distance. But this one not only received physical healing, but he got close to God and worshipped him as Lord. And he received spiritual healing. Your faith is saved. So gratitude really does change everything. God may choose to physically heal us from a distance, but spiritual healing only, you hear this closely, spiritual healing only comes when we fall before the feet of Jesus Christ and confess that we are sinners. That's the only way spiritual healing will ever come to any of us. So my plea to each of us today is, Please come home to God. If you're not yet a member of God's family, Jesus died for you. He did. And the way we show gratitude for that incredible gift that God has given to us through the life of His Son is to come and confess our sinful situation and we're all sinners. And to determine that we're going to live our lives for God instead of living lives for ourselves. And to do what Jesus told us to do, to be immersed in water so that God will raise us up to be new people, all our past sins taken away. If you're a member of God's family and you're facing trouble, hurt, problems in your life, if you are facing things that are tough to bear, we're happy to pray for you, as we've been doing so much this week for everybody here. Or if you have simply fallen into behavior that you know God doesn't want you to be. You can ask for forgiveness. God will gladly forgive and will take your name before his throne in prayer today as well. Where are the nine? I hope none of the nine ever describes you or me. Come home to God today as we stand and sing.